0: Diamond, D-I-A-M-O-N-D. A A precious gem of the most valuable kind, when pure it is clear. Diamond, D-I-M-O-N-D. A family name bringing traditions of love, hard work, and moral values. This is the Diamond Education Podcast, with my mom and dad, Johnny and Kelly England. This
1: is part two of our conversation with Rob Wood, the fatherhood ninja. We were so excited to talk with him, and this week we will be discussing education and homeschool education specifically. If you'd like to hear our conversation about fatherhood and its benefits for children in general, you can listen to part one, which we published last week. Hope you enjoy. Why is it that you and your wife homeschool your children as opposed to anything else? So what? why did yeah. you guys choose homeschool?
2: So that's, that's actually an interesting story. Uh, we weren't necessarily ever on board with homeschooling. Uh, in the beginning, uh, like I said, my wife was a public school teacher for about seven, uh, seven eight years, and uh, she wanted to be home. Uh, her Her heart and hope was to be a homemaker,
1: yeah,
2: uh, and to get out of that corporate world. And so we worked and labor, and I tried to. I was like you know how this Got to make more money. I got to pro- provide more resources. So let's let's make this a reality. Yeah. And And we moved to Arkansas ten years ago. That's when we made that a reality. So she's been she's been in the home for for ten years. Nice. Uh, this is the last 10 years, but uh, we weren't on board with homeschooling. Yeah. She wanted to be a homemaker, but we still sent my son to public school. Uh, so my, my son was actually in public school through second grade before we transitioned to homeschool. And the funny thing is how the Lord works and all these things. The only reason we started researching homeschool and got my son into homeschool is because we spent a season overseas, we moved to India. Uh, and so we uh, and I still worked and did, did the things I did from the financial side but just remotely we kind of had this vision and dream to want to be in india i've been going for you know 12 13 years and been to india 15 16 times and uh, never took my family i was like let's let's go and like live there and and keep doing the work that we're doing we did some orphan care work and 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 some church planning church planning work there too. But, nice. uh, but primarily it was, I just wanna live there. I'm gonna be honest, I really did. I, I love being around that culture. I love the people that we met there, the friendships I built there. And so we did. And so moving overseas required us to rethink how we're gonna educate our children. And so my wife being the type A researcher that she is, this went on a tirade and learned everything and anything she could get her hands on. She's truly brilliant when it comes to, to education. Um, and, I, and I mean that sincerely, I know everybody dotes on their on their significant others, but, well, some people do, some people don't, um, <laughs> but she really is a, a brilliant, brilliant teacher, and she always had that reputation, even when she was in public school, uh, everybody loved her, she's an incredible teacher, uh, and so we transitioned my son, uh, primarily my daughter was still really, really young, uh, into homeschooling, and we we landed on, and I know that was one of the questions you want to ask was, what model do we use? We use classical conversations as the is the model we use uh we fell in love with the classical approach to education it's it's rooted in a lot of history a lot of proven uh just proven success in educating uh br- bright uh critical thinking intelligent kids yeah i really, really really like it and so that's how we got involved in the homeschool research i always had that stigma and i'm and I, I hate to i ashamed to admit this I just wasn't big on homeschool. I was, yeah. I was I was, a public school guy. My wife was a public school gal. And I've never had a real problem with it. But I will say, when you have your own kids, things begin to start shifting how you view the world. Yep. And my second grade son is coming home wondering, you know, why why kids are watching pornography on their phones at school. Second graders, first and second yeah. graders. Uh, wondering why, you know, boys are wearing dresses, things like that. We, we had a crazy... Encounters just in second grade, and it really kind of struck me uh, with conviction that man, like, I'm shipping my son off to be influenced for eight hours a day. Uh, we're the primary influence in his life. I don't care really? what the government says or what teachers even say. My wife was a teacher. I'd say that too. It's like no, we're the primary influence. But if I'm shirking that responsibility and and giving that that responsibility away, uh, I don't really have that strong of a voice in my kid's life. Right, and it became very apparent that we we didn't. So when we began to transition into homeschool, we we realized very quickly that this was powerful and this was good, and it was best for our family. And then we moved back, and so we're like, we're going to stick with this because we really like the growth that my son has had. My son didn't; he was a lot like me in school. He's like, ah, oh, he just wasn't interested. And I, I'm not trying to make like a I know girls get bored in school too, but boys really get bored in school. Yeah. Um so yeah, so we we kept kept on with the homeschool track and really loved his progress and really fell in love with it, found a local classical conversations group that he's just really thrived in. Nice. And yeah, we've just never looked back. And and so we're huge proponents now because we see just how much growth was happening in my own son. Uh, and then now my daughter, she's she's been there from the beginning, so she's just gold. Yeah, she's one of the happiest kids on planet Earth. Yeah, she, she she is just lost in wonder, lost in adventure, lost in her little world that she's created. And uh, we we're seeing now the fruit of all of that. Now we we still struggle with my son with certain things, but he's more than happy to be in homeschool. But but with her starting from day one and never have never having set foot in a public school. Uh, man, it's just been, it's, it's like moving to see her heart be so free. Uh That's how kids should be. Uh, They should be so free. And she's just as happy as a lark. She, she hates reading from time to time. I get all that. You're like, Oh my God, my kid hates I was like, so what? She's doing great. (laughs) Uh, she's growing, she's playing like crazy. And then man, she, she's, now reading like a champ you know just, yeah just things that come in, in in progression and you give them space to grow and learn it's truly remarkable truly remarkable yeah.
1: one of the things i like to say is anybody who has more than one child understands that not every kid is the same
2: no oh, gosh no not even
1: close. <laughs> they are <laughs> I, I mean we we have four girls and each one of those four girls is their own person you know and yeah. so it's not even a gender thing right it's it's yeah. they they are their own Person and they,
2: sovereign individuals, and being able <laughs> so, to,
1: that's one of the things we're, we're still kind of new to this homeschool aspect. We homeschool most of our children. We have two that go to a religious school here close by that yes. we really love. But, um, but yeah, they, we, we've loved it. You know, this is just our second year in, in doing it. And it's one of the things I love is I can, um, you know, I, I teach one of my children math before I go to work you know, yeah. each day, like I, I get take that time and, and have a, you know, yeah. 30 minutes, an hour or whatever, working on math with her and, and building that relationship. And I love it. And so what do you feel your role as a father is in the homeschool environment? You yeah. talked about, you know, before we start recording, how really it's your wife who's, who's running the show, but, but you still have a role there.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's it, and like I said, it depends on the the father's, situation and responsibilities right. with this work and, and things like that but you know f- from my side I I think I play a, a massive support role to, to my wife to as a as a relief pitcher mm-hmm. so to speak to come yeah. in in the evenings and and maybe bring some some space for her to to kind of decompress and kind of refuel for the for the evening and i you know take the kids and i i, I hate to say it this way but because there's a stigma that says okay oh, dads get to have all the fun moms have to do all the hard work right. fortunately it kind of works that way a little bit in our house <laughs> uh, getting wiggles out and, and and bringing pressure to their bodies we do a lot of wrestling and a lot of physical interaction this is true for both genders, both boys and girls right. uh, mm-hmm. obviously Specifically for boys, that that wrestling and, and pressure—believe it or not—needs to actually keep going through college. A lot of people don't talk about this. You should be roughhousing with your boys even when they're 21 years old. Yeah. Uh, it's so critical to their development and so critical to their happiness and, and their joy, and, and to being well-rounded men in society later. Yeah. Um, so I always encourage guys: if you have, even if you have a 21-year-old, if he's in college, he walks in that door, to tackle him, and wrestle. <laughs> like, uh, but yeah so we, we, we do a lot of that I help my son with I, I teach him logic a, a class I've not done a great job this year because work has gotten in the way of that and so my wife is now taking more on a facilitator role of that <laughs> as well um, and so I try to interact with what they're learning what they're doing uh, yeah. I, I, maybe it's, this is a good word for it I play more of like a recap role
1: yeah.
2: and just have them recapping you know, okay, what did we learn today? What did we engage in today? What are some themes, maybe high points, low points? You know, what'd you like? What'd you not like? I try to like draw, you know, what they've learned out of them. And then, uh, you know, play kind of play in that that realm. Because, you know, work is, comes in seasons. This has been a busy season for us. So I'm, I'm busy a lot. So I haven't been at home during the day as much as I normally could be uh, potentially. So You know, I make it a point to try to get home for lunch and try to interact even those times. Um, but Again, when you're building business and stuff, your lunch hours get taken up, you're meeting yeah. with people, meeting with business owners. And so we just try to really balance that. But she does all the heavy lifting. Uh, she is an incredible teacher. And I'm more of a, of a support role in that to kind of reinforce ideas. You know, maybe she's working because I've got a 14 year old son. So she's that dynamics hard for him and her. Uh, I need to come in and reinforce some things with him Mm -hmm. in a more creative way, like throwing the football. Uh, It's amazing the kind of conversations that you and your son can have when you're throwing a ball. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: His attention is off. Oh, you're talking to me about school. Uh, No, we're throwing the ball talking about ideas and concepts Mm -hmm. Uh, that helps him uh, tremendously to kind of open up and actually regurgitate some of the things he's learned. And so I, I don't know I'm I'm really learning that and trying yeah. to figure out how to be best servant in that to my family but yeah she does 99% of the work. <laughs>
0: well, that's awesome.
1: That's awesome. Uh Rob we've taken so much of your time I'd like to just really end with kind of two questions we ask everybody if you're good with that. So the yep. first one is what is education? I mean we've oh been talking God. about education but what is that? When you say education what do you think of?
2: You know I well, I know what Webster says.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the Webster 18 and 28 is an awesome definition of education. Yes. So
2: You know, so as a as a family, we, you know, we define education from a classical approach. Yeah. Uh, to be honest. So we, we we look at education really defined as the trivium. Um, we look at grammar, we look at, you know, dialect the dialectic and the rhetoric pieces. And so ultimately, I think the purpose of education is to know God. Yeah. And to make him known through the way you live your life and not just your words, but your actions, Um, you know, kind of that faith without works is dead mentality. Let's get out in the world and and create beauty and create goodness and then manifest that. So I I think the purpose of education is to know him. Uh, But as it relates to like, what is it for us? It's that it's the trivium. It's, it's understanding the steps that our children are growing and developing in, in those three categories because when you look at like grammar for for example uh, when you learn to read you learn the names of letters you you know you learn the sounds they make and classical educators call that the the grammar stage this is like a human developmental stage and so young children really enjoy this phase and they love repeating you know songs and they can't rhyme they, they love these things pronouncing words and words and so from an educational standpoint you want to capitalize on that enjoyment yeah <laughs> so you teach young students grammar and of many subjects and many ideas that they know nothing about through songs and through chanting and through practicing with family and, and friends and that's what classical education calls foundations yeah and so you know that grammar stage of the program is really powerful because it's the building block for learning all subjects yeah. science yeah. math geography latin english you know history public speaking fine arts all all the good stuff yeah education shifts in the child to that dialectic stage and that's that second step where they're learning how to like sort ideas and compare ideas and understand words and the rules that 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 apply to those words for example again when when you're learning to read you know students will you know learn how to like put uh letters together to form words how to construct sentences and they call that that dialectic stage because much of the work done in that stage is uh, accomplished through dialogue and and so as they're reading and learning we're talking and engaging and and it's building and building in that their their education to become again well-rounded critical thinking problem-solving you know adults And, and we capitalize on that enjoyment kids love that process it's usually between the ages of 10 and 13 that they really love that stage and so you capitalize on it and how you educate them. And then we move kind of into that rhetoric uh stage, and that's where they really learn to solve problems. Yeah. That's where the behavior that comes in. And this is where it, where it all kind of comes together. All that education, all those phases of life, all of that work comes to a head, and they become problem solvers. They they can write original thoughts, they have actual ideas, they have an identity, they're individuals. Uh, they write papers, they lead discussions, they, they debate, they interact. Uh, and again, when you're when you're reading, this would be the time that, you know, you focus on themes and, and context and, of what you've read. And then you actually learn how to apply it <laughs> to your life yeah. and learn how to apply it to your life experiences. And so older teens really enjoy that process because they long, listen, to express themselves and they long to be creative problem solvers. And so to me, that's that's like the nuts and bolts of education, um, for our kids, it's that trivium approach. Um, I know that's like way deep definition of it, yeah. but at the end of the day, the purpose is to know God to make Him known, and then the nuts and bolts of that, in our view and in, in our conviction, is through that trivium approach.
0: So, I, I love the classical. Hello. We're Hello. learning. We're a year and a half in, and we're trying to institute it, and it's trying to <laughs> it's weed hard. out that. That public education mentality of how, you know, you have to. It's it's
2: like test taking. It's like, oh, we're we're just taking tests. It's like, no, what would it be like if we actually developed the person? If we actually focused on their development in their vocabulary, their their understanding of themselves, like Mm -hmm. virtue, their character. It's amazing what happens.
0: Uh (laughs) Well, and what, and you're so worried about what they think, but honestly, we're bringing out. The godly in them
2: they're they're image bearers they're creators yeah they're, they're by nature going to be problem solvers so let's give them the tools um and you, you make a good point and this is part of my problem because i'm always worried about what they're thinking mm-hmm. uh and, as, and there's something in my dna that that drives my son crazy sometimes i'm learning to pull back and
0: <laughs> like, no yeah.
2: I, I don't want to like think for you i want you to think yeah and develop your own thoughts and ideas even if they're different from mine and then let's work that out through yeah. discussion and dialogue. That's where that rhetoric piece is so cool. My son's in that phase right now. He's in that challenge uh, phase where, you know, they, they have their community days and classical conversations. They all come together. Well, they're debating ideas and like talking about really big subjects. And it's really cool because they they, they have their own little identities at 14 years old. And they're like, they have thoughts and they have uh-huh. ideas and opinions. Yeah. And it's really cool to let them have that space and freedom that, that an adult is they're facilitating they're not yeah. controlling it they're mm-hmm. facilitating and that conversation can go to the to mars and back you know uh-huh. and it's it's really developmentally it's it's so profound and powerful to watch um mm-hmm. these young kids because you he, listen on the outside like oh okay well, we'll they're on rabbit trails it's like yeah like that's what you do <laughs> you know? yeah. yeah, like they're, they're trying to figure it out yeah. yeah and instead of like giving them an answer and to regurgitate that on a test, they're actually figuring things out, yeah. and it's super rewarding to them because they're like, "Oh wow, I came to a conclusion." Yeah, and it's, and it's sound; it has a yeah. logical conclusion. and mm-hmm. this makes sense. Yeah, it's super cool. Yeah, <laughs> that's Love <really> it.
0: awesome. <laughs> so, another question we like to ask Rob is, "What is one of your who is one of your heroes in history, and why?"
2: Yeah, I'm gonna break ranks on this. He he is dead to my defense.
0: We never, <laughs> we never put stipulations. Yeah. It can okay. be alive, dead, whatever.
2: He died in 2013. So he's not that old. He was, he was not, old. but my, I would say one of my heroes that, and how I would define that is who has had the most profound impact on my life.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: Um, a lot of people have had a profound impact on my life. A lot of literature has had a profound impact on my life, but this, this man has had a profound impact on my life. His name is Dallas Willard. He was a, a professor at USC of, of philosophy, mm-hmm. but he was also, he used to be a pastor too, and he, he wrote from a Christian perspective. Yeah. Uh, a very, 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 very amazing human being, uh, in my view, in my estimation. I know him personally, and I acknowledge that. Uh, however, the people that did know him personally, the, the testimony around his life, this was an amazing man. Uh, but one of the books that he wrote was called The Divine Conspiracy. It's a really, really popular book. And it's called Rediscovering Your Hidden Life in God. And what I love so much about him is, I'm going to butcher one of his st- statements, but he, he used to be a Baptist preacher of, of, of all the denominations. He was a Baptist preacher and ended up in a university and became a massive influence in the university. But he, he was preaching and basically was like, listen, I don't think anything I'm doing is actually helping anybody. <laughs> Am I actually helping people? And it kind of really shifted the trajectory of his understanding of the kingdom of God and what it means to be a part of that and yeah. that life. And so he he brings things down and kind of back to what we said earlier, out of the ethereal and into the what he would call like the finer textures of life. Um and 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 how that applies to the everyday stuff of being a, a disciple of Christ or being an apprentice. He used the word apprentice a lot. What does it mean to be an apprentice? You learn from them, you grow in them, you, you, you learn by acting and doing. and, and so he got really uh, practical, even though he's a, an, an extremely intelligent man, uh, he gets down into some of the nuts and bolts of the every, what I call the everyday stuff of life. And uh, one of his quotes that, that profoundly impacted me, that's how it works. You know books don't change people, usually paragraphs do or sentences do. Uh, but he said, he said, the, the idea of, of having faith in Jesus has come to be totally isolated from being his apprentice and learning how to do what he said. And it was so simple and so profound. But when Jesus called us to be his disciple, that meant something. Yeah. It didn't mean I just made a decision and raised my hand or I confess him as Lord. It, it means that I'm like following him. So what does that look like? Well, we know in the Gospels, we know we we have examples of what that looked like through his disciples. And and so he gets into those finer things. He's like, this isn't isolated from being his apprentice. No, you become his apprentice. You actually follow him in everyday life. So that touches fatherhood. That touches motherhood. That touches what it means to be a family. That touches what it means to have work. It means what, what dignity is. Uh, dignity in work regardless if it's great work whether you make a ton of money or you make hardly any money at all it touches everything you do um and in a and not in like this crazy religious way like in a truly profound transformational way that i am literally a, a an agent of, of light and salt but i'm a person i'm an individual i'm rob and he he wants me to be rob but he wants me to be a changed, transformed into the image of christ type rob you know? uh-huh. I'm still Rob, and I still have gifts that he gave me, and talents, and, and ideas, and thoughts, and creativity. I'm I'm am I'm an individual uh, member of his collective body, you know. Yeah. Uh, and so, Dallas Willard uh, brought unbelievable light in, in a really critical time. Because uh, just to kind of give you, when I became a Christian, uh, by nature I'm a reader and a voracious. I, I love reading. Uh, so what I naturally was drawn to is like those higher kind of theological ideas. And it kind of removed my heart a little bit. And I got into all this stuff and, oh, systematic theology, biblical theology, you know, soteriology, eschatology, all these great big words. And I just realized that I wasn't really living yeah. very much. And so he came at a time where I got introduced to his book that just, I mean, knocked my socks off, if I'm being honest. Uh, it brought me back to the, to the word to be to be a follower of Jesus and to not have to necessarily have all the right answers, but to be a man of excellence, to be a man of character, to be a man of integrity, to to be daily trying to transform my life into his image and likeness, uh, to be a, an encouragement, to be a blessing to my community and not just be a guy that has a lot of lofty ideas. Yeah. Dallas Fuller had a lot of lofty ideas. Dude was a brilliant man, but he had a way of bringing it in into real life that, that changed me. And so Divine Conspiracy, and then, then a book on a real practical level is called Spirit of the Disciplines. Uh, and I love how he worded that. It's not like the disciplines of the Christian life. No, there's uh-huh. a, a spirit behind it. Yeah, uh, It's a heart of, of a changed heart. You're not doing this to earn anything. You're doing this because you love God. Uh-huh. Right. You want to be changed. You want to be a better man mm-hmm. or a better woman. Uh, and then he had a, a really profound book called Hearing God. Um, about an interactive daily conversation with God. Uh, you know, and he goes into more of, a, of how prayer looks in the daily life of, of a believer, especially ones that are busy and working and engaging in community. What does that look like? Are you gonna be locked in a room for five hours? Well, maybe at times, yes. However, there's a daily walk and a daily in, in interaction with him. So it's, that's a profound book as well. And he's got a great book called Renovation of the Heart, which is just the title of the book just draws you in a little bit it's like I mean, my heart needs renovated so yes yeah, yeah. Give me that book yeah. um so yeah he's no, he's awesome. probably yeah. one of the he would never know this uh, you know i never met the man uh, but his teachings and his his writings were not and, I, and i'd be careful how i say this because i it wasn't like he was trying to garner a following he genuinely you can tell by reading i genuinely want to help people
0: yeah
2: grow closer in their relationship to jesus so the attention wasn't on him; it was on the Lord,
0: uh-huh.
2: and and it just draws you into this. It's like it's not like you're listening to him speak. It's like, no, you're go after go after Christ.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And so it was more away from man-centeredness and more on a Christ-centeredness approach to all the nuts and bolts of life. Yeah. So, changed my life changed my life big time oh,
0: That's awesome. i've never That's heard awesome. of him so yeah now i got more books to add to my uh... go, go read some books <laughs> For sure. it's like For not sure. Read some books. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so
1: how can people follow what you're doing rob
2: twitter is my main outlet that i i'm not on like any other social media platforms i'm not uh, i'm not there yet uh, we do plan on opening some youtube stuff uh in the near future probably okay. around outdoors yeah. and hunting um because we, we have a lot of fun with that. So I'm, I'm a big meat eater and deer hunter. And, yeah. uh, and a matter of fact, I was in the tree stands last night with my son. So, oh, nice. uh, trying to, trying to fill the freezers, but fatherhood ninjas, my, my handle on Twitter. Uh, I, tw- I don't tweet a lot. I tweet a couple times a day. Um, I don't interact as much as I'd like. Uh, and I try I hope people have grace on me as, as the page keeps growing. More people ask questions yeah. I, man, I'm, I am busy. So I, I do, I, I, Full time work that I do. Also run another business, and then I'm trying to do this Twitter thing and launching out. Uh, you'll probably hear more from me on the Fatherhood Ninja with uh, the Brotherhood of Valor. That, that's just kicking out, and we're still developing some of the pieces of that. Um, but yeah, that that one's going to be more of a passion project as we keep growing the Twitter page. The good thing about Twitter is once once you pass thresholds, you can keep growing. Yeah, it's yeah. a little easier to grow uh, once you hit a, a few thousand followers, and that that helps the algorithm kind of benefits you yeah, more, yeah. um, in that. And so I try to play that game a little bit and yeah. uh, hopefully by this time next year, what, we'll 20, 30,000 people on that page. Uh, that's the goal. And I think we've got a good pathway to get there. And, and, that, and I think that's when brotherhood of valor will really take off is next year. Uh, but that's the main place. If you want to reach me, you can shoot me a message there. Uh, sometimes it's, it's delayed, but,
1: I'll do my best.
0: Nice. Thank you, you, Rob, so much. It's been so fun to meet you today and get to know you and appreciate what you're doing. Thank you so much.
2: Well, bless you guys. Thank you for your time. I really do appreciate
1: it.
0: Thank you for listening to the Diamond Education Podcast. You can connect with us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook.
1: At Diamond Education, D-I-M-O-N-D. Or on our website, diamonded.com.